Okay. Uh, I'm going to put you in the green room real quick, Dave. Okay. Leo, say hello. 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 Um, <clears throat> for the second time, we have on Dave Wampler as our guest. We'll bring him in and ask him a few questions. He's a USPSA Grandmaster uh, Open Division. And we'll talk shooting and training and all the other stuff in between. I think uh, Huggy might even have a show and tell. We'll see. So let me yeah. go ahead and, without further ado, let me bring in Dave. Hello. Hey, guys. Hey. Oh, oh, hey. Hey. Hercules, Hercules, Hercules. Let's hope <laughs> everything gets recorded properly. Oh, God. It looks like I have like a, one of those spinning caps on with the fan like perfectly lined up with my <laughs> <Right>. hat. <laughs> well, that I is better than the dunce cap. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I was so excited to be on here. I, I left my show and tell. I got to go grab my show and tell. Oh, all right. Well, just, gr- just wait. You can hang out for a second. All right, go ahead. Go get it. I, I, uh, 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 he's just so excited. Ah, uh, where'd the where'd the questions go? There they are. Boom. Right. I was doing the same thing. I'm trying to line up the <sighs> questions so we can seem more professional because we're doing real good so far. Right. <laughs> All right. I think we're doing fantastic. Yeah. yeah. One of our significant co-hosts just said, "I'll be right back," and just <laughs> walk <laughs> off set. This is cool. <laughs> <laughs> We're deducting this from his pay. Exactly. Goodness. All right. It's, I almost feel like we need to wait, but uh, it's same time. He's fine. Yeah. Nah, he'll be he'll be good. He'll be good. He's probably gonna get a thousand yeah. canics or something yeah. like that. He knows what right. we do here. <laughs> All right. So second time around, Dave, what's your favorite movie? My favorite movie. I'm going to say. Is going to be Boondock Saints, and you got to give my little. Oh, where were you? There it is. <laughs> okay, this time he's going with Boondock Saints. I'm going with Boondock Saints. It's a solid Saints. choice. I'm okay it with it. It is that. a solid choice. It yeah. is a solid I, choice. But now my question is for you: the second one sucked compared to the first one. Too. Oh, that's not a question. That is a factual statement. Oh, it was so I was bad. Utterly so disappointed bad. in the soul, like in the cockles. Like or yep. the sub cockles of my my heart, it it just ruined. Yeah, yeah. Did you say cockle? He did. Uh, and and sub cockle. Yes. Sub cockle. Uh, okay. Yeah, okay. the underside of the cockle. Why? Why am I having a? <laughs> who's our comedian? I can't think of his name. Leo. No. The one the cockles. <laughs> oh, D- D- uh, Dennis Miller. Dennis Miller. That's a Dennis yeah. Miller song. I'm, yes, it is. Asshole, I'm an an asshole song. Yeah. yeah. But in your cockles, it's also science, guys. Cockles. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> right. It's, it's anatomy. All right. So, what was your favorite book, Dave? Oh, my favorite book. Oh, The Martian. That's what. That yeah, was my favorite right. book. That's right. Hands down. Hands down, The Martian. And then, um, I, one of my other favorite books. Because, I mean, I listen to audiobooks. I don't read books. Reading books puts me to sleep. Last book I read was Harry Potter when I was little. Uh, most, most stuff I've read is, like, owner's manuals of stuff. To, like, fix things. Like, I don't read. Yeah. But as far as audiobooks go, and, of course, I can't remember the name of the stupid book right now off the top of my head. Um, I want to say it was, like, Red Rising or something along those lines. It's like an adult Hunger Games. 
Um, okay. It's really good. It, well, it then, is, it is, yeah, it's. It why, was, why do I have this bad vision of an adult Hunger Games? Well, that, that, <laughs> get your mind out of the gutter. Wall to wall plus carpet. An adult Hunger Games. What um, should I said like a mature Hunger Games? Hey, yeah, that's, that's, not even better. that's a riot. <laughs> was everybody, not was a everybody sponsor. running to the middle? Was everybody running to the middle to grab a condom? <laughs> no. Oh no! Can you put him in the waiting room, please? This is a G-rated show. Oh yes! Oh goodness! Yeah, keep, keep it clean for the kitties. Holy he al- he always freezes at the time where his face is the funniest expression. Uh. <laughs> oh gosh! All right, all right. We don't take him places. Exactly. <laughs> um. Favorite gun, rifle, pistol, shotgun, anything. Favorite gun. Favorite gun is, uh, well, I mean, I got to say Atlas. <laughs> but Fair enough. You know, my favorite race guns are going to be Atlas. Okay. Chaoses. Um, but as far as like um, Old Faithful, <laughs> which go figure, I just picked up, I think it was yesterday, the day before. No, the day before um, because I had lent it out for like eight months. But uh, my CZ SPO one, um, I will I will stick to that. That is, that's the gun I really really got in production with. Um, and then uh, I went to open, and then afterwards, well, not after I'm still shooting open, but when I dabble a little bit in carry optics, I bought a carry optics slide for the gun and everything. So I just love it. It's such a versatile gun, and just I mean, it doesn't matter what iteration you're in, whether you're in the Shadow One, Shadow Two, or just normal SPO one. Um, the guns run very well. So I will say my favorite gun right now is just, it's got to be the CZ SP1 Shadow. That's got to be mine. Uh, and okay. I, I think it's pretty cool that you can buy just a slide and change divisions like that. I wish... Oh, yeah. I mean, slide and then change. Like, I mean, technically, you could almost get away with um, running carry optics with the 17 round mags because, I mean, USPSA. You, you, what, the max you're going to run is a 32 round stage. So two. You know what I mean? Like two 17-round mags could technically get it done, and the mags come from the factory at 17 rounds. But with just a small base plate extent or base plate extension, those. Th- I mean, the, like for me, it like when I go to Florida or when I went to Florida Open last, I uh, I just bought I can't remember what they were the Metcar mags. They were like mm-hmm. $18 each or something like that, and they they were I want to say they're 21 rounds, and I mean. I bought, I think, two or three of those, and those were my reload mags. I mean, I'd reload to those every time. Um, and it's just – it's so funny comparing it to open. Like, the cost of all my CZ mags compared to, like, one open mag is just like, yeah, I'll buy all the CZ mags. Like, I got no problem buying all mags. Like, I mean, oh, wow. <laughs> it's so cheap. It's so cheap. So Now, do you have to tune your Atlas mags at all, or are they good to go as they come? So, um, so – the like the Atlas gun works like the STI like so Atlas has been through a few different mags, okay. um, so they uh, they ran the they they currently like currently send their guns out I believe with the STI mags, um, but they had SV mags for the longest time, and then I guess they weren't really running MBX for a bit. Now for me, 
I have all my mags that I bought originally when I first got into open and predominantly all my match mags are those same mags because they've never failed me. Um, I've really never like I've, I tuned all my mags one time, like when I first got into open, like at least my match mags and um, they have, they, they haven't, they've stayed true. Like I haven't had any issues with feeding or reliability. So all I do is change out the springs. I mean, it's always important to leave the same followers in the, with, the, with the tubes because they do made up. Um, okay. You never want to be changing out followers and tubes because uh, that's always a recipe for disaster. But um, with that being said, no, I, I don't have many mag issues. I mean, I keep mine very, very, very clean. I mean, as we all should have is a set of match mags and a set of, um, set of practice mags. And those match mags, every time I get done shooting um, at the end of the match, I take silicone and I silicone the crap out of them, the insides and everything, wipe them down, pull rags through them, um, get everything out of there. I don't leave silicone, like wet silicone in there, but um, I, I mean, it's slick when I run my finger inside. But anyway, needless to say, it, it, it keeps the mags running really, really well. And I don't have, knock on wood, um, it's been a very reliable process for me to, to keep the gun running. Um, okay. And I, the way I dial my mags in too, is I kind of keep the bullet. Um, I, I let, I want the bullet to hit the top of the mag or the feed, uh, the top of the, uh, the ramp going in this way. I don't have it aimed like straight at the chamber. So anyway, getting off into mag tuning, I could spend forever talking about mag tuning, but uh <laughs> I got two sets at 2011 mags. <laughs> and, and I think that's the first I've heard anybody talk about putting silicone in the, in the magazine. That's a pretty interesting idea. Um, it keeps, well, I mean, I, I, so I just put it into a break up carbon, break up whatever's in there, like whatever like, makes its way into the mag. Now, one thing I, one practice I, I use, I utilize at, um, at a match is, a lot of guys, what they'll do is, let's say you're running a big stick or like, you know, let's say you're running a tw- like a, any 2011 or any gun. I do it with my CZ now too. Um, like if, like a lot of people go, if that mag touches the ground, it gets cleaned. Well, for me, like shooting open, there's a lot of mat, a lot of stages. Cause I mean, I can carry 29 rounds. I can carry 30 rounds, 20, 29 plus one in the gun. There's a lot of stages. I don't have to do a reload. Well, that magazine technically doesn't touch the ground. Well, I still, every two or three stages, I'll still clean it fully out, pull a rag through it, get the stuff out. I don't, I, not only do I use a mag brush, but I take a, I always have uh, microfibers with me to stuff down in there and then pull the stuff all the way through. Because if you go to certain ranges that have like moon dust and you like that stuff gets everywhere, you don't have to just drop a mag on the ground for stuff to get like um, contaminants to get inside the mag. Not to mention when you're shooting the gun, you got all that carbon and stuff that's going down in the tube. You don't you don't want any, anything to bind up your follower or your springs or anything like that. So whether it's a 2011, whether it's carry optics gun, um, uh, especially this is super important with like a PCC because you know it's crazy. Like when I started running my PCC gun for a little bit this past this past year, um, the amount of PCC guys that I've seen have issues with their guns due to just not cleaning their magazines. Like I was cleaning my PCC mags at the match, like dirt, like after stage, like after like two stages. And especially cause like the ETS mags, you can see everything like building up in there and people are like, what are you doing? I'm like, clean my mags. And they're like, Oh, why are you doing that? You didn't like mess it up or anything. I'm like, this is why people have such a bad like rap on PCC and the guns going down is because they just don't feed it because people don't clean their stuff. <laughs> Because they think, hey, it's not touching the ground. 
why mess with it? But no, it's, yeah. it's very important. Like the biggest, the, the biggest thing for us to do in, in USPSA is to keep our magazine clean. Now, does the silicone attract any, he's like, I didn't, I've not had any problems around here with dirt and stuff like that in my mags. You know, I would, I would knock off the, the big stuff. Um, but I did not get a brush. And this is what I learned in the Florida open last February was mm-hmm. I had to get a mag brush because I ended up having to take all of mine apart mid-match and clean them out because I was having major issues. When I went, when we hit stage one, so we went through the building. Right. When when I went back and looked at the video, I didn't realize how much time I took and where I had to stop and mess with everything because my magazine had misfed everything and it was all jacked up. So after that, I ended up having to clean them all out with a rag. I didn't have a brush, but I've not had that problem here. Now, does the does the silicone attract any dirt? Or no, sand? it doesn't. I don't okay. leave enough in. I don't leave enough. I mean, I like what I'll do is I'll spray silicone in there, in the mag, and then I'll put a micro a clean microfiber down through there, pull that through, and I'll do it a few times. This way, like when I run my hand in there, there's nothing on my hand. Okay. Um, but it's still just just the act of spraying it in the tube. Like I mean, it it feels real. It still feels really slick. Um, and then I also clean like people don't clean the spring, but I'll take the spring in my hand and just like wrap it like and I'll spray the spring with silicone and then and then just clean okay. the spring off with the microfiber. I, I'm just basic. What I'm trying to do is obviously everything's rubbing inside the mag in the mm-hmm. mag tube and the follower especially when that spring binds down onto onto itself like when you fully stoke out a mag well you want to make that all that contact is as i guess as friction free as possible so that i mean if you create any friction that's going to cause a possible hang up and if you like spray stuff down with like a lubricant but i like silicone because when it's dry it still leaves enough of a film that's not attracting stuff but at the same time it still does its job now be careful like if you like really wipe down the outside of your mags because i've had it to where magazines will come out of your belt because it's like especially with the double alpha metal holster or mag pouch the metal on metal action will actually be very so slick that the mag will come out so that's one thing I've always been like, I've always really done is really wipe the outside of the mag down really heavy, especially because also when you go to grab the magazine on like a reload, you don't want that, you don't want that, it to be feeling slick on the outside still. Right. But anyway, the biggest thing for the silicone though is it, um, it breaks down carbon very, very, very well. So that stuff that like, it's like, instead of having to like scrape stuff off the top, like the, the underside of the feed lips and stuff like that of the, um, of the magazine that that if you silicone it let it sit there for a minute it'll actually eat into the carbon and you, it's very it makes things very easy the first time you silicone your mags you'll be blown away how much crap comes out and like the magazines will look spotless like you use like ream like ream that sucker with a brush and it like you look down through it and you're like oh man that looks pretty clean spray it with some silicone spray and then run a rag through it and you'll be blown away how much crap comes out it's, it's I'm unbelievable i'm gonna do that i'm gonna have to mm-hmm. check that out it's a good practice. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Who knew? So, mm-hmm. so you you've been shooting USPSA for since about 2014. You said you started mm-hmm. in production. Started um, in production, then moved to open. And 
we'll go back over how long did it take you to get from well first off I guess we'll start with when you first started production what classification were you we know you're a GM now so how do you get from wherever you started and what that classification was to where you are now so I started so I started about in 2014 um, I shot production for about two years um, my first classification classification in production was B class um that was my intro class and then um very soon after that a few months after that i believe i became a class and i stayed in a class my entire career shooting production um and i think right now if i look back at my percentage i think i'm knocking on master door but I, it's still like as far as uh percentage wise but um after two years of shooting production i went to production nationals and right before production nationals, I talked to my buddy about trying to experiment with higher cap, higher cap, higher division guns, um, just to try to like uh, improve my production game. Well, that prompted me to go to open because he's like, hey, my buddy's like, hey, like if you shoot open, you don't have to worry about doing all the reloads. You can watch the dot. The dot will give you tell you a lot like what your iron sights are doing. Um, and it's a very good translation because you can catch a lot more with that dot. I mean, it's very clear up in your face, like what that, how the gun's reacting and how you're holding it for gripping properly. Um, and that will easily translate back to your production gun. I was like, okay, cool. Let me shoot some open for about a month. And then I'll go back to production because I felt like I needed to put time in, in production. Um, mm -hmm. And I just, you know, I didn't want to move divisions. I wanted, I wanted to become a GM in production before I really did anything. Um, until I talked to my buddy Ron, who easily and quickly um, talked me out of that mentality. But anyway, after shooting, uh, after after starting to shoot open, um, as soon as I got back from uh, from nationals, I just fell in love with it, and then I never went back to production. <laughs> I think I shot one production match like two years ago, just because I decided I want to do it. But after shooting that production match, I was like, "Yep, not 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 happy with that. I'm going to go back to open." <laughs> but um, after about six or seven months of shooting open, um, I, I got my GM card and I, I just feel like GM or I feel like open is like my wheelhouse. Um, okay. Just uh, for, for whatever reason, like the, the open gun and I just, it just, it clicks so much better for me. Um, and uh, I love the speed factor of it. I mean, every, you, everyone's going fast in production, but open is just, I mean, it's a full drag race. So with that being said, it, it, like I've been, shooting open ever since. And then here and there, I'll dabble a little bit in carry optics. I love carry optics. Um, if open was, if carry optics had been a thing a year before I went to open, I would be shooting carry optics right now, probably just because that's, I think carry optics is a fantastic division. I think it's, um, it's a division that, that there's a reason so many people are moving to it. Um, I think it is as far as like how easy it is to get into that division and be fully set up and very competitive in the division for minimal money um, is very, very, very attractive. I mean, you can buy how many, how many carry optics guns for like one compared to one open gun or one limited gun. I mean, that's just the nature of the beast. So, and I mean, it's as far as speed goes, I mean, you can, you can be very fast in, in carry optics. I mean, look at some of the top, the top 10 carry optics guys. I mean, they're smoking fast. So, yeah, um, anyway, but yeah, going back to the moving production to uh, GM, about about six months for me to be moving from from those two divisions to becoming a GM. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. And and piggybacking on what you were talking about, um, oh, my numbers are not updated here. I don't know why they're not updated. But I, uh, I had created a huge spreadsheet comparing the popularity of all of the divisions. Mm-hmm. Because we were on one of the episodes we talked about, you know, are there, as you know, there's always discussion, should there, are there certain divisions we should get rid of because in USPSA because nobody really participates? Um, and basically what my um, study was for the entire year of, was it 2020 or 2019? I think I thought it was 2018, but I, I can't remember. Well, I, I went back all the way. I went back five years for most everything. Um, yeah, this is not the updated. So it's actually not on this computer. So I never updated it on Google Drive. But the results were, so it was 2020 is what I did. Every major match. So all of your area matches, um, every major match I could find. And what I found was limited 10, you had an average of 2.33 participants. Uh, Revolver was 2.76. Now, the big thing was the number one most popular division, carry optics. Mm -hmm. More so than limited, more so than open. And I was, for a division that's only five years old, I was pretty surprised with how rapidly that had grown. Even, oh, absolutely. Even PCC. PCC is ranked one, two, three, four, fifth. Yep. So I thought PCC would have been a little bit higher than it was, but it's behind, I mean, other than limited 10, single stack, and revolver, um, it's it, it, then PCC and then all of your other major pistol divisions. So it's pretty interesting how like you were saying, carry optics has exploded, but I also think at the same time that, you know, that's what a lot of people carry every day. It's what they go and shoot at the range every day. So it's what's fun. <laughs> it, yeah, it is. It's like it's the poor man's open gun, you know. Yep. As we oh, have absolutely. said several times on this on this podcast, it is the poor man's yeah. open gun. And again, it's what people are carrying day to day for their everyday carry. Uh, for going out, you know, it's great for people with not great eyeballs, Huggy, um, you know. <laughs> so Who wants to get yeah. better in production and not yeah. put a dot on his gun. But, hey, you know, who's counting? Well, as we found right. out, Huggy can't right. put a dot on his gun anyways. Yeah. What? Uh, wrong. Well, no, it's a whole, we'll get into it. <laughs> yeah, okay. we'll, yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> we'll wait. We'll wait. I, I just, yeah. Somebody told me something. <laughs> I got it right there. <laughs> Okay, if you really want to get in this now, Uh-oh. I bought I Uh-oh. bought an optic for my gun specifically on the website, specifically oh, for oh, my gun. Oh, and he's oh, like, oh. "That looks cool. I'm gonna buy it for a gun that's not designed for." Oh, oh I can't make oh. you read better. Oh, Huggy, I, I am not hooked on phonics. You look at it. Oh, oh okay. Uh huh. I think it'll work on your gun too. Okay. <laughs> I don't remember that conversation. So, are you, are you, <laughs> oh, are you Dave? Are you familiar with the Grace Optic, the M1? It's just a piece of glass inside of a V with a dot. 
Leo's, no, Leo's grabbing one now. It actually looks pretty cool. I think for Carrie, um, it would be awesome because there's no top. And uh, you can get it in green. There you go. Green or red. Oh, that's interesting. Actually, let me, um, let me do something real this quick. This little here. guy right here. How much are they? Go ahead, Leo. Do it again. One hundred ninety-nine dollars. Uh, Grace Optic. It's a family-run business. It's Grace is the name. Now, now the let us see the there. glass. Let us see the glass. But this is. There you go. That's crazy looking. Yeah. So. so yeah, but it. What, uh, they're engineers. What does the dot look like in it? It's uh, you can get it either in three uh, three millimeter or six millimeter. Just uh. MOA. Yeah, uh, thank MOA. you. Sorry. Um, I have to. Green or one red, at... three or six MOA. Yeah. Dot. Yeah. Okay, and is it a red just... dot or is it a green dot? Either one. It can, you can either get it in green or in red. Um, okay. It doesn't do both. You have to do one or the other. What yeah. uh, what uh, what bolt pattern is it, so to speak? Like what... uh, Romeo 1. Uh, I don't know the actual. So, okay. uh, like. Because there's like what six different variants of the bolt pattern, right, right. yeah. But it's for whatever Romeo one footprint because it's designed to go on the 320 Romeo. Um, so you would just take your Romeo one off, put this on, and you're good to go. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. It's, it's, oh, it's a micro red dot, and guess, and guess what? It doesn't fit on a Canic TP9 SS, FSX. Uh, oh, who? Yeah, you know what? Okay, you know what? You're frozen anyway, Huggy. So, oh, there we it's go. Fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, so but yeah, two hundred bucks, hundred ninety nine dollars. We'll see how they last. Let's put it that way. Yeah. yeah. So this is like that's why I was like, I'm gonna for two hundred dollars, try it out. The durability has always been my like ooh. There's nothing on the top to support it, and we'll see how, you know, like you said, durability and over time, more and more shooting. So we'll find out, but I figured for 200 bucks, like... Yeah, you can't go wrong. Why yeah. Not, why not try it out? Yeah, it's not $400 or $500. It made I learn right. to read. <laughs> look, look. Again, I can't... If your, fr if your friend says, it'll work for you, you know, you usually kind of trust that. You know, I did. Gotta go that's with not it. how that conversation went. But anyway, <laughs> we we digress, and back to the person who we're interviewing. That's right. <laughs> and we'll bring up some stuff in front of put just everybody's stuff out on Front Street. Right. <laughs> Rude. Um. Okay. So we'll the next thing we'll get into is uh, your training. We talked about this before. Um, mm -hmm. What does your training look like, November? to February. My training November through February normally looks um, very, uh, I don't really take an off season. I know a lot of guys take an off season after nationals. I don't. Um, a, because a lot of guys like to do special training and everything during the cold months. And uh, the guys that want to get better, if they want to, if they want to schedule a training session with me um, through my LLC, then, then so be it. I'm more than willing to train in the cold. I got plenty of jackets. But uh, the the big the reason I don't really take an off season is um, I always shoot either a, a Florida I always shoot a Florida match whether it be January or February, um, in uh, it during during that time of year. So because of that, I don't like I like to stay hot and I like to stay like you know um, warmed up and, and trained up for for either the Florida Open or the Florida State. But uh, usually after whatever match I shoot in Florida. 
uh, I'll usually take one or two weeks off um, and just, just recuperate, take it easy. And then it's right back to the grind after that. I mean, whether I have clients or just my training in general, um, because we get right back into it. I think this year, area six is in April, I want to say. Um, so yeah, it's, it's early. And so that's why I was like, you know what? Well, at, at this point, just start shooting. I got some goals I want to get done before area six. So, I mean, as far as me personally, so, um, with that being said, and, and that's what it seems to be like every year. Like I, I just find myself not really having an off season. Um, and, but that's not something that like, I know a lot of guys need to have that off season in order to kind of break everything up um, in order to find the motivation, because if they just keep going year round and not have it, not have a break or anything like that, they kind of lose motivation for me. I just, I feel like work gets so crazy during the year that I find myself wanting to shoot more and more and more. And so that when I have the opportunity to in the winter time, because that's when we start slowing down because I work for a paving company. Um, I'm like, okay, take advantage of all the time you're get, like you have to train up even more. Cause there's guys that, I mean, that'll take like, it's very not, it's not very common to, or not, it's not uncommon to see really good shooters take time off of work. Like, multiple days before big matches or like nationals or anything like that to do like more hardcore training. Whereas for me, or like you'll see a lot of guys, what they'll do is they'll start taking like Fridays off or they'll take a day off a week, like every, like a month leading up to a major match so that they can like train hard. Whereas for myself, I get like during like nationals time, which is usually October or, um, you know, early November or like, well, or September, um, work is like full bore. So it's just like, for me, work is usually like six days a week at that point. It's like, okay, take every chance I get to train. So that's why I don't really take an off season. Like it just work doesn't let me do it during the year. So like when I do have like downtime, I'm, I'm going to be shooting. I'm going to be trying to, you know, claw back every little bit of time I've lost. It's like regular studying versus a cram session, basically. Yeah, yeah. Like you're just always going, and instead of like I'm gonna get everything in I can right before a match, yeah. It's like diminish the law of diminishing returns. Like how much are you actually gonna get better right before a match? Exactly. Like a, like a major it, match. Right. And if I like if I don't train now, like and if I'm not pushing now, um, like I'm in the process of actually moving right now, um, but uh, if I'm not capitalizing on all the time I have to do training now, I don't know what my schedule is going to be looking like. Cause I mean, we do so much state work. So because of that, the time that I know I have currently is the time I'm going to be using to train. Um, if I keep pushing it off and like, Hey, you know, and try to schedule my training while leading into like big events. Now don't get me wrong. I like everyone can manage dry fire schedule. I don't care what kind of like, what kind of life you have. I mean, if you have kids or anything like that, it means you just have to get up early in the morning and do your dry fire, or you got to stay up late and do your dry fire. Like, you know, everyone can manage that. But as far as live fire goes, you guys just got to do what you got to do when you can do it. You know what they're I mean? They're judging me right now. Yeah. I don't know if you can tell, but they're making fun of me. Uh, yeah. I, I'm going to get up at four o'clock in the morning anyways, but anyway. Right. I, yeah, and the fifteen minutes. That's all it takes. Fifteen minutes. The area yeah. six is uh, April eighth. So okay. yeah, it's very early. Now, did you shoot uh Florida State or Florida Open this year? I did not. I okay. I was sick over New Year's. I was I had the good old COVID. Thick. Ah, okay. No. 
<laughs> I was gonna say hangover, but sure, okay. Yeah, yeah. COVID. I thought it was. A, I thought it was a hangover from Christmas because <laughs> we. I had like a, I did a tequila tasting with uh with my Ooh. wife's brother and her uh and her dad. Where was and, that? Uh, oh, dude, there my my in laws' house is so awesome. They built so like on their back deck. They built a pub over oh, their back wow. deck, and then built the coolest people deck. ever. It's so cool. I'll send. I'll have to send you guys a photo of it because I'm going wow. over there tonight. Um, but it they it, they call it, so her family's last name is Russ, so they call it the Russ Pub. Um, this is awesome. Like it, it is sweet. They they have like they literally have like a whole. He's got a whole um, whole bar and everything set up. And he, wow. instead of having like block parties, they have like Russ Pub parties. And well, before COVID, and everyone would come over and like her dad would man the bar just like a normal bartender. And like literally, you just I mean, just whatever. But during Christmas, we always find the guys, we always find ourselves going into the pub. And then before you know it, we're all just like, hey, let's try all that stuff. And like, <laughs> we're like, okay, let's try to, like, let's do tequila tasting today. So, needless to say, I thought I was coming down and I thought I was just sick from, like, you know, right. drinking a little too much. I did a really hardcore training session, um, like two days after Christmas. And, uh, and it felt really good. I mean, it was like that was my transition from going to PCC to open. And so I shot like 600 rounds, way more rounds than I probably should have just because with our ammo crunch. But whatever, I was getting back into open. I was feeling it at the end of that at the end of that practice session. I mean, I was pounding water all day. I was driving home and I was like, man, why does my head hurt so bad? Like my head is killing me. And then the next day I felt like even worse. And I was like, well, we're getting ready to go and have New Year's plans. I was like, maybe I should go get a test real quick got that test back and i was like it tested positive i was like you have got to be kidding me it was crazy and then so for the next two weeks obviously i stayed home and well of course the florida open was the february 15th and that's what i was signed up for and it was too close because i mean i'm still recovering from from the lingering effects i mean i've got a, doc a clearance for the doctor's note and everything like that now right. but um i got a clear i had a clearance back before yeah. florida open but um, it just it, it wears you out, man. It, I mean, it, that the whole the virus it, it affects everyone differently, it and does, yeah. uh, it hit me it hit me pretty hard. And I tell you what, it it was to make that trip down there and to to shoot that match. I was just like, you know what, I'm not. I I wasn't scared that like I was gonna you know be contagious or anything like that. But I was just like, you know what, I need to rest. I need to don't push my don't over push it. Cause it was still, I mean, I was within three weeks. So I was just like, no, nah, I, I need to just take it easy, not go to Florida. And then uh, I was thinking about going to Florida open, but I was going to go to Henry cup, but they canceled Henry cup. Um, and because they canceled Henry, Henry cup, I didn't, I'm not signed up for Florida open. I went to Florida open last year and I don't know. I'm just not really feeling Florida open this year. So I'm just going to train, shoot some locals, um, it worked out perfect because like I said, my wife and I decided, uh, we're going to be putting the house on the market this month. So not having any major, major matches or anything go like crazy going on this month, um, kind of worked out for the best. Yeah. And then, uh, and then next month, area six will be my first big one. And then that the, the season will kick off after that. So I'm trying to decide if I want to do like all the IPSC matches came to the United States this year, it seemed. If you guys didn't get the notice, no. Pan America, no yeah. USPSA just announced. Uh, I think it's the Pan America Handgun Championship, which they're doing in October. Not October. 
September, and then the extre- Pan America Extreme Ooh. is doing it in Florida in September. Both those matches, I want to say, are minimum of three days. I think the one at Universal is like four to five days long. Yeah, because like, ex- those extremes are extreme. Well, they, so, yeah, the extreme is like 25 stages. Yeah. And I think the Florida Open is like – or the Florida one is like um, – or not the Florida. The, the Universal – the one at Universal Shooting Academy mm-hmm. is going to be like 27 or something like that. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of stages. Now, they, they do go by the 3 2 the three, one, two, one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then there's Nationals. And then there's World Shoot. So, for me – I've actually like everyone's like, hey, so you're gonna shoot the Mid Atlantic? Hey, are you gonna shoot like these certain state championships? I'm like, man, right now between those three matches, which I'm not gonna, I, I'm I might go to one of the like one of the Pan Americas. I'm definitely not going to both. I can't take that much time off work. But between those three World Shoot and those two Pan America matches, I calculated like 30 days. That's how much you'd have to take off. And I was like, oh, I can't take a month off work. <laughs> Wow, that would, uh, that almost interests me to take that time off and do that instead of nationals. So the one that Manny's hosting, you can sign up for the one that um, that's being hosted at Universal Shooting Academy. If I'm not mistaken, um, they sent out a newsletter to the guys that qualified for to shoot um, world shoot. Right. Um, that's why Huggy I, and I didn't get it. <laughs> so they, we're not on that email list. Mm-mm. Yeah, well, well, so we got an email, but they're so United. So they're the one at Universal. They're fielding like teams, just like as in World Shoot. I see that, uh, and they don't like they'll open registration, but like that's if they don't fill all the slots. And I think they get like seventy five slots or something like that. It's like a Z squad, like. Huggy and I might be on that squad, <laughs> like the super yeah. squad, and then uh, us. But um, with that being said, it's it's a four hundred dollar entry fee, which in there, there, yeah, there's there's no like you're there if anything changes, like let's say Florida decides to open restrictions again towards like how many people you can have in an event or something like that. Um, that money goes straight to IPSC. So, which is not something that Universal can control. So, like they said, in the event of that happening, you, you still can't get your money back. Your four hundred dollars. Um, well, so, it's euros at that point. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's already been yeah. converted. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, and so with that being said, um, I was just like, you know what? Let me uh, between those two matches, I was like, let me. I'll let someone else shoot the shoot the the Universal Shooting Academy one. I'll shoot the other, the extreme version. At, at Manny's range, um, but but that's banked right. That's backed right up. That's the weekend before nationals in I think Alabama, right? Talladega, yeah. yeah, Talladega, yeah. which I yeah. learned is in Alabama. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but anyway, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what the match. We'll see what the schedule starts to pan out and look like a little bit more. Um, I kind of I've always erred on the side of at least for me, um, I. I take my. I don't get, jump on a bunch of these matches as they open up. Like right now, I always wait to see what my schedule is going to look like because just it's so sporadic. Um, but I'll see like what matches come out. Like I'm sure that I mean I already have Virginia State on my calendar. I have oh, what other matches? I, I'm on the wait list for Mid Atlantic. 
Um, but if I can't make that, I can't make that. It's it's whatever. I'm still going to try to get into Area 7. I would like to try to get into that. But that's a lottery program this year. So we'll see how that works out. Area uh, Seven's a lottery? Really? Yeah, you sign up. Oh, you, wow. And then they just randomly select. They put you, like, you get waitlisted. And then they literally are going to randomly pick people. Like, so it doesn't matter how, like, whether, like, it, like, you have one week to sign up. doesn't matter where in that week you sign up. It's just, you, you, it's a lottery. Oh, wow. Hey, we might actually get a chance to do one. <laughs> yeah, right. because you practice score from, like, the yeah. servers from blowing up again. So. Okay. But they're only letting, like, but 75% of the slots for Area 7 go to Area 7 people. Mm. So, so everyone outside Area 7, 25, they only have 25% of those slots available. So, like I said, I'm going to put my name in the hat. If I can go, I can go. If I can't, whatever. Now, what? No, let me ask you this, because I, I don't, I've not been in USPSA enough to know, but... I would think even then, if there's only 25% outside of Area 7, I still feel like they would still weight it pretty heavily for people like Christian Seiler, Nils Jonasson, and Max Michelle. Even though they're outside of Area 7, um, you know, those are some of your uh, contenders. You know, yeah. so I feel like they would still have that opportunity over the rest of us if we were looking to do that. Yeah, I mean, to, to be honest, I, like, I don't know how the match director would, would handle it. Um, now, if I was the match director and I was sifting through all these random names throughout this list and it just so happens to be a familiar name sitting there as I go down. <laughs> well, slide I mean, this one over. I don't know what might happen, you know what I'm saying? But at the end of the day, don't get me wrong, I still like – I mean, it's an Area 7, it's an Area 7 match. So is it wrong not to want the best competition in there to legitimize legitimize the event? So, I mean, I get it. It's a a double-edged sword. You know what I mean? Like it's let some good guys in, get some random people in there. I I mean, like if you see my name on there, please, uh, and someone's listening to this, just, you know. <laughs> Move me over. Gonna be like, but that's yeah, it. it's like know. JJ Max, all this stuff, and then it's like Doug Smith. <laughs> like Doug Smith, all of a sudden is gonna win the whole shebang and be like, "Who's Doug?" Yeah. He might. Where his khakis? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I look at. I know there are major matches, but I kind of look at. You know, you got nationals. Be like your level four. Your level threes would be all your area matches. Then your other majors all fall down as your level two, and then locals being level one. You know, I look at almost like an area matches. There, that's your precursor. That's really where you're going to find out who is threatening for nationals. So, oh, I agree. Yeah, you've got to. I don't. I, and and we've had this discussion on our other podcast where I'm like. I think you should have to qualify for nationals. Uh, And what I mean is, so we have people who compete in different divisions at nationals. But I kind of feel a couple of things. One, that you should have to qualify in your division uh, by earning points in different matches that almost like world shoot. You know what I mean? Where you know how you basically you shoot the Ipsic matches and then you get uh, when you've earned enough points, they send you a slot to go to world. 
kind of like that where they would then send you your open division um, slot. If you shot carry optics enough and did well enough, then you could shoot in two different divisions. Now, when it opens up for general, this is the weird part. You could still, and I take this from PRS. Are you familiar with uh, Precision Rifle Series at all? Mm-mm. Well, I've heard of it. I've never, okay. I don't know any, I don't know the scope of any of that. So they have different divisions also, and you, again, you have to earn points to be able to go and shoot for the national championship. Once they get all of their, all of the individuals who have qualified to shoot it, other people can then, like nationals, like we did, we can sign up and go and shoot nationals. But we wouldn't be competing for the national championship. So even if Doug Smith was the number one shooter, if he didn't qualify to shoot open, but he just wanted to shoot it, too bad, so sad, you didn't qualify for that division. So yes, you can shoot it, you can earn a score, you can do all that, but whoever was the first guy uh, with the highest score who actually qualified to shoot that division would be the national champ. So Yeah, I could, I could see that. I mean, I could, I could see that being... Um... I don't know. Yeah. The, the reason why I say it's it is... It's a lot of logistics. It's a it, lot of it logistics. Is. It is. But the reason why I say it is, um, and there's been a lot of talk on other podcasts. I don't know if you listen to any of the other ones. But um, we're... Like Mason Lane wasn't even on the Super Squad when he won. Uh, he didn't win production. He won um, Limited this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so my, my thing is that, and I think Jason Bradley, who was second in carry optics was not on the super squad. So it, what it would do is you would get those top guys on that. Well, super do, you know squad. Super, do you know how the super squad has worked or uh, I, I, I do. And this is where I think it would change how you would squad your super squad. Because then if you had to qualify, you could rank people by the number of points they have. Right. And then so then you would know the top 16 guys with the most points are going to be more than likely the guys who are competing for the title. So it would change a few things. But um, there's been a lot of discussion because like Mason Lane wasn't on the super squad. There are other people that did really well that really competed like Jason Bradley who weren't on the super squad. So I don't, I I also think there's some other things. Like I think USPSA should be streaming nationals live and a whole bunch of other stuff, but that's a whole other topic. So I'm sorry. I don't mean to get off track. Um, I can easily get way off track. So getting back into your training, um, we just talked about November to February. You also, congratulations, just got married in October. Thank you, thank you. So now we're moving into March to May, but also at the same time, how has, I mean, you were single in the past, so you were able to train, do whatever you wanted, whenever you want. How has this affected your ability to train whenever and wherever? Um, It hasn't. It hasn't affected. Um, I, I have this wonderful thing here that we have, my wife and I have a shared calendar okay and basically i just if i i I reserve what i need to reserve as far as when i need to like when like weekends to for matches and weekends to train 
Um, I always, I'm very fortunate. I live uh, within 15 minutes of an indoor range. Um, now I can't like do transition drills in there necessarily, but I can do, I can draw from the holster and I can shoot down a lane. So I, I'm after work, I could just, what I'll do is I'll go for an hour or so and go to the indoor range and my, like the plant that, uh, where we produce the asphalt is like two minutes from the indoor range. So sometimes right after work, I'll scoot over to the indoor range, do a little bit indoor training for your fundamentals because you can never have enough fundamentals. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, and then, you know, and then I'll go home. So during the week, my, my impact isn't, isn't that crazy on, um, on life. Like it, it doesn't really change terribly. Um, as much as I would love to have a bay in my backyard, hopefully when we move, um, we'll find something here close where I could possibly build a bay, but you know, we'll just have to see what comes on the market. But, um, anyway, during the weekends, um, she knows that usually like, and I understand that it it goes both ways, but, uh, oh, (laughs) there you go. Um, that usually I, uh, one day is usually dedicated to shooting or like in the morning, something will be dedicated to shooting. And then the after, and then either afternoon and the following day, we'll, you know, I got stuff, I got honey do list stuff I got to do. And, or, uh, we have things to, things to attend with other people or just, you know, live in life. Life stuff. Yep. We, we schedule very well. It's, okay. it's it, throughout the last two years that we've been together, it's been very structured. Like I've been able to structure it very well. She's very, 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 um, encouraging and, there's a lot most of the time when i go hey babe can i go like you know or can i need to get to the range to do some training like she's just like yep i already anticipated that's like you know you're gonna go do this then you come home like i can you keep your training session to like usually can you be home by this time then we can go out and do something so like okay cool i'll just leave a little bit early or whatever i gotta do that's a good woman right there (laughs) yeah yeah it's there's there's no i'm I'm not getting calls in the middle of training session or anything like that. Like, Hey, when are you going to No, none, none of that. It's just, you know, as long as I'm home, when I say I'm going to be home, right. that's the important part. If my training session goes over, I need to make sure I, I let her know. So we can coordinate the after training plans. Yeah, no, Dave, Dave's seen it. I get that text. Hey, don't forget to come home. Like yeah, that's the, right. okay, cool. Legit. 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 Yeah. <laughs> we get involved, like, right, like right. you get involved with training. You know what I mean? Like one yeah, thing I hear you. Other, you keep going. You keep going. And all of a sudden, you're like, oh, oh crap. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's easy to lose track of time. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Especially when you get in the rhythm of a certain drill or something, you're trying to beat down. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Now, personal question, so you can ask mm-hmm. answer however you like. Mm-hmm. Are kids in the future? Kids will be in the future, and that's why. That's currently why we are we're packing up trying to sell the house this month um because right now it takes me an hour and a half to get to the range hour and 20 minutes um and that's to an outdoor range where literally there's no one watching over my back and i can do all the drills i want to do i'm not like i I get a bay you know what i mean Mm -hmm. um so because it takes me an hour and a half to get to the range it takes me an hour and a half to get home so that's two hours 40 minutes of just drive time and that and then by the time you get to the range and it takes me that long to get to and from the range i need to spend at least two hours there two and a half hours maybe minimum to get the rain session worth it so that takes an entire day i mean like, or entire in, an entire morning depending on what time you wake yeah, up that's you know half what I mean? a day yeah yeah, yeah exactly and so it's so yeah. it's dedication and i know a lot of us do it a lot of shooters do it they all we we travel this all sorts of distances to go to matches and to train and do our sport 
um, because we can't just we're not we don't have soccer fields where we can just go out and shoot and set up and we have to go to designated areas where we're allowed to do this. So with that being said, um, yes, kids will be in the future, but we're trying to do it in the proper order. So next year, ask me that question. That's where I was going. (laughs) (laughs) Once once kids happen, obviously, you're kind of locked down. So like, we've uh, we've talked about how we like we want to get this house, hopefully find something with a bay to where like I my biggest thing is obviously I want to be as, you know, as present as any great father could be with, you know, with the children, but I still want to be able to shoot and still keep sharp and, you know, still get after it. So if I have a bay in my backyard to where I can just, you know, gas up the golf cart, that's already got all my gear on it and just go out back train for an hour and a half or hour. Like, I mean, if you're structured and you have stuff set up and you're ready to go, who says you can't get a really hard, good training session in an hour and then just ride the golf cart back up to the house. Right. Like that's the best part when there's no, like when it's the hour and it's the true hour, like that's awesome because you're not wasting that time or or investing the time in back and forth other than the golf cart, which man, it better be a baller golf, golf cart. I want to have some like hey, awesome twenty twos. The first golf cart I get because I will get it'll probably it probably won't be a golf cart. It'll probably be like a like a a quad or like you know an ATV with a little trailer attached to it or something. I mean that's fine. Too. Or like a little like a little you know maybe like a um like a game rack on the back or something. But I uh, make it look like Cadillac. There you go. There we go. It'll have a sound system on it. I'll tell you what, there. Or just there get you, you one of those bad boy buggies. Those oh, things are nice. Like one of those mules oh, or something like that. Yeah. That, would be, that would be awesome. We're but all anyway, coming over. Yeah, there we go. Then we all come over and have a training session. <laughs> right. So so are you planning on shooting um Area Six then? This year? Mm-hmm. In North yeah, Carolina? I, okay. Yeah, I'm shooting it on I'm shooting it on a Friday. I got I signed up to shoot it on a Saturday session and um match signed up kicked me out in like two hours or three hours. Like it kicked my memory because I didn't pay. Whereas I've sat wow. in like limbo for like weeks. Oh, in wow. there, you know, without like without having to pay and match sign up. But I guess it was such a big match that you had to pay quickly. Okay. But either way, I mean, it filled up by the time I went to sign back up and re-register. Like it, uh, Saturday had been completely filled up. So I'm just gonna shoot on Friday. I'll drive down Thursday night and then just wake up in the morning and walk the stages. So, okay. I'm not going to get too crazy. The, the The range is very nice. Yeah, I've never, never been down there. so. Oh, yeah. The range is, is awesome down there. So, okay. And I'm hoping that they do um, they do pasting, like, for us. I don't think – I think every time I've been to that match, because usually they, they host the North Carolina sectional there and or um, – yeah, both times I've been there, they host the North Carolina section match. And – it's always been no pasting. Like you don't have to worry about pasting. They paste for you. So the staff does that. Yeah. So I don't know if they'll do that for area six um, because I don't know if it's, I'm pretty sure it's going to be a little bit different staff, but, um, but they might still hold the same characteristics as far as what they would do for North Carolina. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'd be living the dream. No pasting. Oh, I know. Me not getting yelled at by some random RO telling me to paste. North Carolina has got it. That's the thing by myself. North Carolina has got it figured out. I tell you what, you know how many times, like the South Carolina state, well, South Carolina and North Carolina, their matches, it's like they they po- they they paste for all of them, and it's like, it's awesome. It's wow. like you find yourself you find yourself like like getting up and you're like, oh wait, 
wait, I don't have to pace? Oh, sweet. Okay. And then you find yourself just like, well, you got nothing to do. You're just like sitting there just twiddling your thumbs. But it is super. It is so much more efficient when the staff pays. So do you, awesome. do you find yourself then, after you shoot, moving over and watching people shoot the other, the next stage, and mentally preparing for that one? Unless it's a, unless it's like a um, like a reputable shooter, like you want you know a top ten guy that's over there on the other stage. Um, but even then, not really. I find myself like I'll chit chat and more. Most of the time, like I'm a very I like to talk to people. So I find myself getting into conversations with just everyone. And like other people are asking about like training. People are asking about like, you know, what I, what they, I think they should do on a different stage. Like I find myself just roaming all over the place. And usually I have to wait to see like a squad, one of my squad guys, like go to another bay before I'm like, Oh crap, we're moving over. Like before we, cause if you don't have to do anything, as soon as you get between shooting, like, you can roam around, do whatever you want to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But it is nice. It is nice. If like some stages, like let's say you're getting up to like, um, like a memory stage or something like two, two stages ne- like in front of you. Um, you can go over there and see what they're doing. And if you're not shooting or you have already shot on the stage, your squad's currently on, you can go over there and you can stay over there for as long as you want. You don't have to like go sneak over there real quick and take a look and then come back really quick. Cause then you got to help pace. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. Well, and that was at at the Florida Open. That was the first time. I loved how that was my first time down there at Universal. And I loved how they had the safe areas in between the bays. Mm -hmm. So I would, when I was on in the hole, I would go over there and close my eyes. And when I heard the beep from the shooter, I would draw and then go close my eyes and go through the, try to go through the stage in that safe area and then, you know, draw and do a few things and then get back over before I had to shoot. So, uh, that was really nice. I do love how strategically their, uh, their, uh, their safe areas are. It's nice having them and having, they're big too. They're not like that little square that you're trying to like, you're waiting for one person to get in and out. And you know what I mean? Like that play, there's plenty of room over there. Yes. You can get two to three shooters in there. It's it's very nice. Oh, yeah. So I know that, and you just mentioned again, too, that you basically train throughout the year. There's no cram session, as we've discussed. Um, There'll be a little bit of ramping for certain events. Well, and that's what I was coming to. I know we have, because obviously your culmination for the season will be the world shoot, assuming it's being held. Hopefully. Right. That's what I mean. So hopefully it is, and that's your that's your end point, but you also have – so you have Area 8 right towards the end of summer. Then you have the Virginia State Nationals like two to three weeks later, and then I don't remember. Is the World Shoot at the beginning of December, or is it right through Thanksgiving? November, end of November into December. Okay. So a month after nationals is the world shoot. So now how is your training going to look starting August to December? August to December, it's going to be, well, because work's going to be crazy that long those times, yeah. that time too. It'll be a lot of dry fire. It'll be a lot of f- fundamental shooting. Um, and then just get out to the, ind- get out to the outdoor ranges as, as often as I can. Um, but just saying, staying sharp with dry fire and really, pretty much indoor indoor sessions, fundamental sessions. Um, 
that's going to be, and then really that's my primary. And I will also like, usually during that time of the year, um, I'll, I'll dial down my, my private sessions, like, or my, not my private, but like what I, you know, what I offer to clients and whatnot, like some clients will be like, Hey, you know, I want to train up for this match or something like that. I'm like, well, you know, I'm training for these couple matches and, you know, I'm very limited on time. Let me, you know, please be understanding, but I need to get my training session. Or what I'll do is I'll, what I'll do is I'll just have like a two hour session with like with a client because by the time I get down the range, I might as well train somebody too. You know what I mean? So, um, at that point I'll be like, all right, I'll train someone for two hours. And then afterwards I'll, you know, take another two and a half hours and do my own training session after the fact. So, but, um, but with that being said, like it, it's a lot of dry fire, a lot of indoor fundamentals, um, and then just get out to the range as often as I can. I don't have the luxury of taking off work to train before a match. So, um, it's just getting it in where I can get it in. Um, but let me tell you, every opportunity I have, I'm, I'm taking advantage of it. So yeah. it doesn't change too much versus what, versus what I do all year round. Okay. It just seems like I, knowing what you do for a job and for a living and all of that with the training involved, that's that's a lot of long days. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh. We'll wake up, or wake up at like 4.30. And then be on the road, be at work at six, and then don't get home till seven seven thirty at night sometimes. So, right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm. So long days, long, very, very, very long days, and a lot of a lot of Saturdays. <laughs> but it is what it is. And even with the ammo pandemic, uh, you're okay for this year. I I have, yes, I am. I am good for this year. As far as my ammo stash or my primer stash goes, no one cares about anything else. It's just the primers. <laughs> right. Um, but as far as my primer stash goes, I have allocated, I can have up to 500 rounds a week for training. Um, so this week, I don't think, I didn't do any shooting this week. I did a little bit of dry fire, but I didn't do any live fire shooting. So that means that that ammo can get cycled into next week. Yeah, it gets so, carried over. Yep. Yep. Get the rollover plan. So with that being said, like that's why at this time of year and with, with, um, with area six being so far out, I'm okay with just with like taking it easy and kind of smooth rolling like through, through February, um, get what I need to get done in the personal life. Like, and then I'll take advantage of shooting where I can. I'm, I'm still signed up for a couple matches. Um, I'm going to shoot, uh, I'm going to shoot Quantico match. Here, I think next weekend, and then, and then I have, uh, I might try to shoot the Area Eight Steel Challenge. Um, we'll see. But um, with that being said, uh, I, those like that, those will be the only two matches I have on the on the schedule in February. So mm, I'll probably do a little bit of outdoor training between those, but it'll be a lot more a lot more indoor. So okay. <laughs> All right. Um, now you mentioned, I meant to bring this up earlier and I saw carry optics on my screen over there. Uh, right. You mentioned Henry's cup and I know Max shoots the Henry's cup pretty much every year. So have you ever considered shooting the Henry's cup in carry optics? No, because I shoot open. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. 
pretty straightforward answer. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I don't get me wrong. I love I love carry optics, but to go head to head against like um like Max or like Casey, um, I, I just I feel like I would need to dedicate like fully dedicate a season to it. Um, if I was going to shoot, like, well, don't get me wrong. Let, let's be real. Like last year when I shot carry optics, both my open guns, um, because they were getting worked on because that's what most people do during the off season. Right. Both my open guns, one was getting re- like the slide was getting recoded, and then my other open gun was 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 getting built. So oh, so at okay. that point, I was just I was out in a, I was out of an open guns. But I mean, at that point, I was just like, you know, I'll shoot some carry optics because it's very close to it and everything. Um, if Henry Cup would have happened, like last year, if I had to do it again, um, I probably would have shot Henry Cup um, instead of Florida Open, um, or I should have shot both, I guess, whatever. Okay. Um, but I would have liked to see where I would have matched up to uh, to like Max or like Casey or something like that out there. But at the same time. Um, I got a pretty good feel of like where I matched up in Florida open just because like looking at the results, um, I was very, uh, we had this conversation before about the whole points for speed type of thing and right. looking on practice score and everything. So it, I, I felt, I don't feel like I let, I, I, I don't feel like I got, like I left anything on the table for, um, as far as like a comparison against what I could have done against like, you know, Max or some or Casey or something like that. I felt like I had a good, I had a good, um, carry optics base or result. Um, that was very informative to me. Um, I don't need to necessarily shoot against those guys to gauge where I'm at in carry optics. It would be nice. I would love to. And if I had the opportunity to, I'd love to shoot against those guys. Those guys are unbelievably good shooters. Right. Yeah. Um, but, uh, which I would one day I would love to continue competing, you know, continue shooting against. I know Kate, I would love to see Max come back to open and shoot open for a little bit, just because I mean, I, I would love to see where he would like, you God, he's so, he's so talented, like shooting open. I, I, I mean, I love that case. I'm glad t- it's not just me. Yeah. Well, I have, a, really- I have, I have a minor man crush on that guy. Well, and it'd be oh, really man. interesting now because shooting carry optics, for the last five, six years, it'd be interesting to see him put an open gun in his hand um, and, you know, and basically not have to deal with much of the recoil at all. And how fast would this guy be? I can only imagine. I mean, I, it would it would be exciting to see him, JJ, and um, Christian all battling at this. I mean... That is the ultimate, if you ask me, competition right there. Those three going televised that. Yes, yes. I would pay per view that. Yep. <laughs> or whatever thing the kids are using these days. I don't even know. <laughs> but I would pay for that. Yeah, that Fish would be fire. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah mean, I would. Lo- I would love to see that. Put maybe get maybe mix a little bit of you know Casey in there. Yeah. Uh, with his with his carry optics and his limb cat his open limb cat oh my gosh that thing is awesome absolutely um and then uh god who else does a lot of cross platform shooting um nils yeah, nils would be nils awesome does. To too. yeah uh, yeah no now, that would be it would be fantastic that would be cool if canic would build him an open gun that would be pretty wild like a canic open gun yeah like like they, not a 2011 they have like a 
Right. Well, they have. They have. Well, no, they actually have some older steel guns. All all steel guns. So they could build one out of something. One of those models. That would be interesting. It would just. It would be interesting if you could get like. Uh, I, I think they should just listen. Obviously, they all listen to this podcast, and they're going to hear this and be like. This is a genius idea. We're gonna we're gonna make it happen, and we're gonna we're gonna thank Casual Shooter Podcast and Dave Wampler for making this there idea come to fruition. <laughs> I mean, guys, we're trendsetters. Don't Alice. Yeah. Speaking, speaking as a shooter and not for somebody, um, they should probably just continue producing carry optics guns because it is the biggest growing division. Yeah. No, I agree. It would just be interesting if they wanted to sponsor him in an open division for a match like that. He could just shoot his Canik, his carry optics gun in open, which is what he did last year. He did. Or what he did in 2018. Right. He shot his carry optics gun in open. And that he was, he, I think he, I think he plays better than I did. I did not have a good last nationals, 2019 nationals. <laughs> Me neither. Yeah. <laughs> hate when that happens. But <laughs> But I think, well, and, and it's funny to hear Leo talk about his first experience at Nationals because for him it was a battle of attrition. Like everybody it in was, his okay. squad was getting disqualified. First of all, it was extremely lonely because I was literally by myself. Like, I mean, obviously I had people, but like it was just me. There was no casual nothing. I was just, you know, it was, it was bad. And then I kept sending him texts. I'm like, Hey, another guy on my squad got DQ'd today. Hey, another guy on my squad got DQ'd today. Hey, I almost got shot because the guy on my squad dropped his gun. Yeah, like, oh, gosh. We started with 12, and we ended with, I think, six. And oh, it, I, I literally, I, I don't know if it was day one or day two. I'm like, Dave, this is a battle of attrition. Like, if yeah. I don't D, like DQ, I will be very happy. Yeah, it was, it was nasty. We had a guy had a negligent discharge, oh. um, and I blame. Obviously, it's his oh. fault, but I also blame the RO on that one. Because if you're like make like show clear and you look and there's a round in the chamber, you as the RO should be like, "Hey, don't pull the trigger." Um, yeah, it's still up to the shooter, though. It is. I, I agree. Technically, but, it is. Hey, whoever it was, I, was it with you, Huggy? Where I'm like, "Hey, man, uh, you didn't pull the mag out," so mm -hmm. like. The RO can save you on that one, but yes, ultimately it's your responsibility. Yes. But regardless, you're at nationals; you should know better. I've been right? Yeah. Well, you're anywhere; you should know better. But yeah, yeah I had a guy. He, he opened. There was the prop that the door engaged the swinger, and when he opened the door, he he threw it, and it bounced back as he drew his gun. His gun knocked out of his hand because it hit the door, and man, it was whew. I've had a, a lot where they've like where they where you go to open the door like you go to open the door and you and you flag your arm you know what I mean yeah yeah I've seen but a he lot didn't even that. do that like he had drawn yeah. and was moving and the door came back and as he was moving it hit the gun and knocked it out of his hand and he's like yeah we're I'm going home yeah we're yeah. strength well and, and yeah, that was yeah. like I forget who it was but Virginia State in October somebody. On that one small stage in the corner where you start up front, move back, and then go back up front, it's like a U shape. Uh -huh. When somebody came back, went to turn, and 
hit their hand on the corner of the wall and knocked their gun out. Yep. Or no, broke the 180. That's what it was. It just hit it to where it broke the 180. So things happen. Or at Nationals, who ran into the, on stage one, who ran into the wall? Like on the Super Squad. Like smashed into the wall. Was that Casey? I think that was Casey. Somebody that is more important than I am. Shooting carry optics Nationals or? Oh, I don't know. Did. John did last year. He ran in the wall at the uh, the shoot house wall. It was, it was, that who it was? That's who it was. Okay, that's who it was. was, was then, yeah. Yeah. Boom. Like, yeah. yeah. And then he's like, yeah. nope, got to keep going. <laughs> yeah. He's like, thanks, bro. Let's keep going. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that was hilarious. Yeah. Uh, All right. He's very, good at, he's very good at recovering from that kind of stuff, too. It's, he's just yeah. like, oh, okay, keep going. Yeah. <laughs> I love shooting with John. Excuse shoot me. <laughs> Pardon, Pardon me. me, sir. Yeah. <laughs> So last last week when we had you on, we talked about what your opinion was on some different types of training aids. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to turn it over. I see you. I'm going to turn it over to Huggy at this point because oh. I think he has something to share with us. <laughs> well, did yeah. you get it? Yes, I did. I got it. So. Um, this is the cool fire laser trainer and, um, this, you know, see if I can hold it there so you can see it. Um, this is obviously the laser end, but however, this comes off. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> oh my goodness. What the? Okay, the, broke the internet. Okay. You're back. <laughs> he shot it with the laser. Arm the laser. <laughs> I, I unscrewed it and it's like right on the button that cancels the video. So I'm like, really? <laughs> like it only happened to Huggy. Only, only me. Oh god. So, so anyway, so um, you can actually take the laser off. It is just so people know. Yes, it's an empty magazine. Okay, which is really nice because they put a follower, uh, a different follower in there so that it doesn't lock out. It doesn't lock out the slot. Oh, okay. So that way you can get multiple shots out of this without locking your slide out. And they give you two of these so that way you can uh, do mag changes and everything. So, but you don't have to have it in the gun. It's just more or less for training purposes if you want to do mag, mag changes and everything. So, but... Uh, this thing is is awesome. I mean, it's like again the um, it's empty. It is a CO two because that's why it's red. It's meaning CO two. So if I point it at the camera, it's not loaded. We're not gonna yeah. die. Oh right. God, he's pointing it at me. So, so obviously you can see here um, the tip there is where the CO two canister uh, will actually mount to it, and you can turn it upside down. And it mounts to it, and you just push it in, and it fills the chamber up with CO2. Mm, the barrel. So then you want, and then when you pull it off, you hear a, a pop, so you'll know that it's completely full. And then once once it's full, you just pretty much rack it. Just rack it, and now you're ready to fire. Just like now, I'll just go ahead and from a side view so you can see it. So, and it just cycles through. So, um, with the laser on it, you know, I can, you can either put the laser on it. Well, obviously it screws back on. 
Um, but you can Good put the job. laser on it. So now you can see with the laser where you're hitting on the target also. So interesting. So now when it cycles through, um, you get a dot on the target. So you see where you're hitting. So, um, again, I've gotten like probably 20, 25 trigger pulls on one, uh, one fill of the chamber. So it's pretty nice. Now, does you it know, take little you know, CO2 tank or chargers, or do you get like a big adapter for like a paintball tank? You can get a big adapter for a paintball tank and everything. They've got different adapters. You can even actually get an extender put on here where you can actually extend it. But here's the problem. Once you get that extender on there, now it won't fit in your holster. Mm, so okay. you had you have to the whole the opening where your hold where your holster would have to be a little bit larger to gotcha. f- for that adapter. So, but I mean, with this here, everything even without this on here, I mean, it it works. It works great. You holster it. It's it's great. It gives you that recoil feeling. Now it doesn't give you like the actual real feel of a nine millimeter recoil. I mean, it's close, but it's not the real thing. But, you know, it makes you reacquire your target, though. It's not like you're going to be able to hold it and be like, oh, this doesn't move. It does make you reacquire your target. So um, it's nice. And especially, like I told you, like you get the app where you can video it, and it actually will show you it hits on the target. So you could do it that way, too. So, um, so far, so good. Um, I've actually... Really enjoyed this. I mean, and and on the canics, I will have to say on the canic uh, side, that only thing I had to change out was the recoil spring, which they sent one with it, and they sent you the uh, CO2 barrel. That's the only two things I had to change out, and it works like a plan. So that's awesome. I've been using this, I've been using this to train with, so. Um, I'm hoping that this is going to allow me to be a better shooter and uh, up my game a little bit. So, Okay, okay. Because uh, I definitely oh. want to check that out. Now, obviously, you guys all know my stance on on like gimmicky things or anything like mm-hmm. that. Um, it, all, it still classifies. And I mean, as much as cool as it is, and I think there's – no matter what, there's always a place in, yeah. in I guess, um, in shooting for – like training aids and stuff like that. Now there's nothing that's going to replace just straight up good old fashioned dry fire. Um, you mm-hmm. still got to put the work in. People have been do- doing dry fire for, for many, many, many years. Um, you, and it doesn't take much. You don't have to have fancy targets. You don't have to have fancy stuff. Um, as long as you have a gun holster and, and usually a timer, um, you can get very, very, very productive dry fire sessions in. Um, but, uh, but with that being said, if let's say it takes a gimmicky product or something kind of like, you know, or a, or a training tool or something to get you to dry fire on a consistent basis, if that's what it's taken you to, you know, to, to get that motivation, by all means, do it. Um, mm-hmm. you, you know what I mean? Like, and if, and if oh, yeah. you get one thing out of, let's say, a tool that you buy mm-hmm. um, that is a gimmick, you're money ahead. Like, that's money well spent. So. Right. If it, like you said, um, that, like it, yeah, it's not the true recoil, um, as Leo saw, (laughs) 
<laughs> but uh but it's but but it, it, it is doing something it is the, the sites are the sites are lifting you have to recall you have to manage the stuff back down so and mm -hmm. like as far as the way you know the way the stuff's coming up or the the way the, the muzzles rise and everything i mean you you are getting you're you're getting a level of feedback that you don't normally get in dry fire so it's very it is very interesting um but i think pair that with the uh with uh i think jj teaches jj teaches it which it's uh it's control fire which is mm -hmm. like when you're i guess when like in it now that you have a recoil system on your gun you could do uh like in dry fire let's say you put up three targets on the wall pick one target that you're just going to come to the wall to that you're not going to break the trigger you're just coming you're just coming to that wall so like you know draw click click like you know recoil recoil come to another target on the wall or to another target and then just find yourself coming to the wall, not, not pulling the trigger all the way through and you're trying right. to be controlled and then move over to the, you know, to another target and then pull all the way through and just see kind of how, you know, JJ does it in live fire, in live fire training. And it's very, very, very productive. It's a great yeah. trigger fundamental. And uh, I find myself doing it all the time in training as well. Um, right. mm -hmm. so, so it's a quite yeah. So question is there a difference between coming to the wall and then prepping the trigger for your next shot? Like, is there a, is, is there a notable, or is it, is it just a mindset or is it the it's same all, thing? It's all the same thing. It's all the same okay. type of thing. Um, you want to be racing that trigger back every time. Um, like, so, so, I mean, obviously you don't want any dead time. Now you can, it doesn't matter if you need to air the trigger. Like some people try to like barely take their finger off the trigger and that's how you usually get, um, like trigger freeze, mm -hmm. we've all been there. Um, but like, if you air the trigger, like actually let you, like have a little bit of gap. If we, do you guys all understand what I say by like mm -hmm. airing the trigger? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, it doesn't matter if you have to air the trigger or not. However, you want to pull the trigger. As long as you're getting back to that wall as fast as possible, um, you, you're you're going to be money ahead. It's going to let you shoot that much faster, and it's going to let you shoot that much more accurate. Um, there's always a place and time to obviously, you know, when you like when you're moving and you're coming into a position, um, you want to, you know, you want to be taking all that pre-travel out and everything like that. So as soon as the gun flattens out in like, let's say, as your uh, as your body's kind kind of uh, recovering from, you know, you putting the brakes on into a position or like as you're transitioning, um, let's say, from uh, from a certain array of targets to another array, obviously, you want to be you want to be ready. And it's all about keeping that gun up and available to shoot at, you know, on command. So, mm -hmm. yes, you're you're always like I, I kind of consider um, the whole trigger prep and wall and the whole wall um, fundamentals of getting that, you know, getting to the wall all one thing. Okay. Um, as long as you. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, as long as you can be ready and you know exactly where your wall is, um, that is the form of trigger prep in in readiness that, that that you're looking for i gotcha okay so it's all in one thing if you ask cool. me mm -hmm. okay dave now i have a question for you <clears throat> so going with the trigger prep and dry fire right um i i the another thing that the three of us had talked about was i had taken time to read a bunch of books um, and look back over one that I had read before. So I read, like, went through three of Steger's books, went back through Steve Anderson's book, 
and came up with my training plan for the year. Okay. And with our schedule, um, I work 24 on, 24 off, 24 on, 24 off, 24 on, and then four days off. So oh, okay. wow. when, when I hit those four days, not the day after my third shift, because typically you're, you're a little more tired on that day, uh, and I'm at a busy station. So, uh, But anyway, the last three days where I don't have anything going on, my plan was to dry fire a classifier. At the end of my dry fire training, I have, you know, all the peel and stick targets. So mm -hmm. my plan is to dry fire a classifier. Now, let me ask you this. What if I go through all this dry fire training all the time and I get to the end and then, so let's, let's pretend I'm huggy for a minute. And then I decide to do the classifier like I'm at a match. I put in my cool fire trainer. I get everything set and then I shoot it one time for score at the end. And what are your thoughts on that? I think you can, I think there's a benefit from it. Okay. I think, um, I think that will, I don't think it'll be the same as normal recoil, which no. obviously don't expect that, but maybe record that in your, uh, record that in your notes yeah. as, um, as a, you know, as a standard that, uh, that's your part time. Yeah. 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 Um, I think that's pretty cool. I think that'd be, you know, that'd be a good metric. Now, obviously it's going to be different. Like just as if I were to shoot a, like a classifier with it, you know, minor ammo versus major ammo, that's the best thing I could relate it to. I mean, my major, my, my open guns, the way they're sprung and everything like that, it barely ejects minor ammo. So when I do like play around with some minor ammo, like when I, in, when I'm in practice, just to like plink on some steel, um, the cool fire is like essentially what I think my open gun would feel like with just running normal minor ammo. Okay. Um, and the way it sounds like it, it, it just like the brass just barely trickles out of the gun. Um, it's not something I would shoot. Like even at a steel challenge match, I would still shoot major ammo. I wouldn't shoot minor ammo because the gun's just not designed for that. Um, but with that being said, yes, there is a hundred. I, I think, you know, yeah, I think you could gain something from there. It would be a good metric. Um, if you don't have an opportunity to get out to the range and you can't do it in live fire, but you're able to set up like your um, your laser trap with your camera and get some sort of legitimate um, quantifiable like number of your drill, you know what I mean? Like ver like your draw, your accuracy of hits and everything like that. And that's it is simulating recoil. I mean, I can't deny that right. um, to an extent. Yeah, I think there's a gain to be had. Okay. Absolutely. As long as you have something measurable. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Now, I mean, obviously, there's a there's certain level of expectation you have to have. You know what I mean? Yes. Um. So, with that being said, I I think I think there's gains. I think there 100. percent I think there's gains there. Um. Am I going to rush out and buy a cool trainer? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> right. But I still think I I think if you have it and that's something you're willing you're willing to invest the money in, um. I think that'd be good. I think that'd be great. Now, if I had the cool trainer, I wouldn't be doing classifiers, man. I'd be like setting up all sorts of stages around my house, shooting stuff, <laughs> or just shooting your buddy, or well, just shoot your buddy. Yeah. And, and, and what I'm looking at is, you know, uh, the space that I have to dry fire in um, is limited. Yeah. So if I I figured the easiest way for me, again, not as experienced as Dave Wampler and USPSA, and 
and I haven't shot that many stages. You know, I haven't shot that many matches, mm -hmm. but <clears throat> I have an entire stage plan book called the classifiers and I can put those up and at least I have something that I can after, you know, at the end of each nine days, I've completed a, a series of training drills, then I can at least do that and try to come up with a part-time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and to be honest, there's other drills you can do too. Um, a lot of other drills. Like, I mean, just put a stick on the ground and have one target and just do like start on the left-hand side of the stick, transition to the right-hand side of the stick. Right and shoot the same target. Like that's a drill I love. I love doing that drill because it it trains you to be ready, but you have to have a certain level of patience because what happens is you get mixed up and you start like kind of drifting between the stick, almost keeping the stick between your legs and just go and just roasting the target. Like you need to have a certain level of like discipline and that's going to go with all the drills that you're doing as far as for dry fire or anything like that. I just having a certain level of discipline um, as far as the gains you'll be able to get with, with that um, I guess with, with your dry fire system, I think you can, I think there like the, the there's definitely benefits. Um, if you're limited on space, yes, those, those dry fire, those books are good. I just make sure you get classifiers that have movement in there that have diversity. You know what I mean? Well, and in, in my normal weekly training, I have all of that, like all the different, transition drills i have movement drills like each day is something different so right. i'm practicing i i'm basically isolating those skills daily um it's kind of like you know when you go to a gym and work out you don't do everything every day you do right. back and by so i might be do i might do transition and movement or you know what i mean but mm -hmm. i will i will work only one or two things a day and then on those last three days what i will do is the last exercise of the day would be uh, some type of classifier where I now have to put those things together that I've been practicing the last four or five, four days. So right. it's just like a culmination at the end of those last three days of, okay, now I've, you know, I've been doing mag changes or yeah, mag changes and I've been doing this and that. So now I need a drill that's going to put them all together for me to practice. Right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, I think that's a good, well, whether you have cool fire trainer or not, I think that's a fantastic way of going about in doing your train, like doing your training session. You could do all that or your drive fire session. You could do all that, like by driving part times down on a time or two. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so like with that being said, I've had training sessions where I spend 15 minutes. Um, and this is the weirdest one ever but trying to like mess with like trying to get my eyes squared away. Like literally I have multiple dots on the wall and I'm trying to move my eyes from dot to dot as fast as possible. What I'll do is I'll do like, I'll, I'll draw the gun and I'll move the gun from dot to dot to dot to dot. And then I'll put the gun down and then literally I'll do the same thing, but I'll try to race my eyes from dot to dot. Then what I'll do is I'll I won't like, I'll move my part-time down and then I'll try it again with my gun. And almost every single time, my gun, my part-time, like, drops by two or three tenths of, a, tenths of a second. 
just in like just in one drill because of that. So with hmm. with that being said, I mean whether you have a cool fire cool fire system or like you know or just your timer, um, I think there is benefits to like you said. Um, building a training session that you are training multiple different things, you know, each session, you're not doing the same thing every single session. Um, I do a lot of the same stuff during my sessions, but um, at the same time, there's always, what I like to do is I like to do fundamentals type of stuff that you're doing, that you're working on every time. And then I pick one or two things, a session to train on that are relatively, that are, that are relatively new. Um, I don't go crazy as far as like really changing it up. I do the stuff that we see most often um at matches so and then by the end of the week what i will do and i find myself doing doing almost the same way as you is kind of combining a bunch of stuff to like i'll find myself like okay i worked on reload separately i worked on transition separately i worked on getting good draws separately i worked on a couple like um short transitions like um where where it's very little like very little time between targets but it's a you shoot one, like draw, shoot one target, throw a reload, transition to another target. Um, what I'll do is I'll add, I'll build like a little stage that has multiple elements in it um, in my room or whatever it is, wherever I'm at, uh, that will work on all those different little characteristics. So, that, and then I'll just, I'll build a part-time for that and then I'll drill that down. Um, but I think, I think you're on the right path as far as that, that's a, that's a good solid method to training let's put it that way okay mm -hmm. uh, one thing i will add is with this system uh practicing we can it was i can feel like the difference now because uh, you know we can makes that. me you know focus more now because i'm strengthening it up you know with my we can with that recoil in there so, and it's weird the way the gun like is recoiling solo in one in the left hand or right hand or whatever you know what i mean yeah yes Yes. This so. is strong hand. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Oh my god. He got it. I love it. I love that he gets that shit too. Oh, oh, yeah. stuff. <laughs> Probably wouldn't have shot me with your weekend. Uh yeah. <laughs> oh, I'll never live that down. I'll never live it down. Oh, that's funny. And it won't make the news. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness! Just saying. Just saying you, guys right? have, you guys have any more questions? Um, <laughs> just uh, whatever, uh, whatever you want to plug. Yep. And uh, that's last. Yep. Yeah. So right. I'll plug Atlas Gunworks. Awesome. Um, this this year, um, I just actually had a team meeting a couple nights ago. Um, this year, one thing we're going to be pushing as as a team is um is parts. Um, Atlas came out with a new grip. Um, it's kind of like, you know, how, uh, Phoenix Trinity has got their Evo grip, you know, how, um, how like, uh, SV or infinity has their proprietary grip. Um, you know, how Chili's has their proprietary grip while well, Atlas has come out with their own proprietary grip that goes on a 2011 style gun or 1911 high cap, whatever you want to call that gun. Okay. Um, and it's got a uh, removable panels. So um, if you want to make like you can pretty much is the first type of grip for those guns that now you can adjust the width of the panel and the width of the grip that you have with got bare hands or if you got, you know, small hands, you can make it thinner. You can make it like uh, thicker. Um, it's you can change the textures of those panels to get the certain type of grip that you want. Like you can dictate the grip and how like how much um, texture you want. 
Um, you can also, the nice thing about the panels are you can take a panel off and leave a panel on, on like one side of the gun, depending on how you like it. So like what'll happen is if you take a panel off on the right hand side, like you can wrap in on the gun, but then if you leave a panel in on the left hand side, what it'll do is it'll allow you to actually get a little bit more skin on the gun. Now, personally, I mean, some guys are doing that. Some guys aren't, um, for me, my, I haven't updated my gun just yet, so I don't have the grips on my gun, but just rationally thinking about it and looking through it, obviously I, I, for me personally, I would run the same panels on both sides of the gun because when you go strong hand to weekend, weekend strong hand, however you want to do it, you want, yeah, you want repeatability. You want everything to feel the same. Um, but anyway, with that being said, Atlas has come out with their new, with their new proprietary type of grip. Um, and uh, it's it's fantastic. It'll take the same internals and everything. It accepts everything the same as um as like your normal um I guess internal guts and whatnot from any 1911 2011. Um, so with that being said, it's that that's something that we're gonna be we're gonna be pushing a lot this year. Um, it's a fantastic pro- product and parts. Um, and then my uh, my LLC, obviously my my training, which is. Other side, other side, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's weird. It's backwards. Yeah, I know, right? Um, so, I will be doing. Uh, I'll be. So, I do a lot of training and whatnot. Um, this year's been a little bit. It's been a little bit slow. Well, at least I've been. It's been slow for me because uh, a I had I was sick this sick during the uh, during my two weeks that I normally am training quite a few people, but. Um, but now we're getting into the really cold section so where where it's you know we're 20 degrees so anyway as soon as it starts getting warmer um i'll be taking on more and more clients people can always contact me with questions if they want um i'm very open to answering questions and um in my training sessions i'm all about training you you're not going like when you come to a training session with me um you're not gonna i'm you're not gonna see crazy gains um you're not gonna see like i mean it's not gonna be like crazy night and day different like stuff we work on a lot of fundamentals but my biggest goal is to give you stuff to take home and that you can train on your own and get better i want you to be able to learn like i want you to learn at our training sessions to where you know you have things you can take home and you can you can work on um people that all they do is work on you know a a training session with me is not is not what i would consider a training session more of a seminar it's up to oh. you to go home and you to put the training in. Okay. So, and then you uh, and where, where specifically can people get in touch with you? Yes. So over my, my Facebook and my Instagram, I do not have a website and I don't have email. I, I usually find it easier to keep track of people and to keep track of Facebook, like via, via Facebook. I don't have big classes. I don't have, I'm not like, uh, this is, it's not my full-time gig <laughs> clearly. So it, between Facebook and Instagram, that's it's more than capable of handling as far as my coordinating between our schedules and everything like that. And is it just just Dave Wampler for Facebook and Instagram? Yeah, face yeah, just well for for Facebook, it's da- like David Wampler, and for Instagram, it's uh, David Wampler shooting. Okay. Okay. So, all right. That's Any it. charities or anything you're involved in, or anything else you want to <laughs> plug before you no. roll out? No. Well, uh, nah. Not really. <laughs> the Dave Wampler charity. I need money. Yeah. Right. <laughs> We're buying a house. Hook it up. <laughs> so that's about it for now. All right. Cool. Well, thanks for coming on again, Dave. Cool. I appreciate it. We I all appreciate, appreciate it. it. Yes. Absolutely. Thank you very You're much awesome. for doing a makeup session for us. Yes. <laughs> anytime. Anytime, guys.
See, and you got to see me shoot my friend from the other screen. There we in go. The face. <laughs> in the, listen, there's not a lot of, of about me that is like, okay, my face and my calves are it. Everything in the middle is meh, but it's my moneymaker, man. What, what, do call it, what do they call it like when, when you're sitting across the room and like you can kind of – You shoot somebody? Murder. You can kind of call murder. <laughs> looking at you. You know what I'm saying? Like you're yes. sitting across the room, you feel something, and then you look over and you, there's actually someone looking at you. Yeah. They call it, they, they call it Chris Angeling. Like Chris Angel. Oh, is that what it is? They, you know, how, you know, like the magician or whatever. Yeah, the, the mind the, freak uh, guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Chris, well, I think that is that is that Chris, Chris Angel? Angel mind freak. Yeah, he's yeah, in, yeah. in Vegas. So like, so like when you're just looking at somebody and it's just yeah. like kind of like you just got that, but with like a cool fire system. Yeah, <laughs> right. I didn't feel cool. I didn't feel cool at all, man. <laughs> I see you staring at you right now. <laughs> That's hilarious. I'm gonna tell my wife you did that. <laughs> she got uninvited think, from dessert. She uh, she paid she paid me to do that. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Whatever. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, thanks well, cool. again, thanks, David. Man. We'll have you on again. Absolutely happy yeah. to be on anytime, guys. All right. And I'll and I'll catch up with you, and we'll you'll. Uh, Test it out together. Absolutely. That sounds awesome, man. I won't be anywhere uh, nearby. Yes, you will. <laughs> You're right there. Trigger control. <laughs> Find the wall, man. I, I did. It's right there. There's the wall. <laughs> All right. Take it easy, Dave. Thanks a lot, bud. See you, Dave. Thank you. Guys. Thank you. Until next time. Don't be a little bitch. Yeah. Thank you for listening. I hope you continue to listen and tell everybody you know about us. You can find us at www.casualshooterpodcast.com.